The Kaplan Community Podcast is a place to catch up with Kaplan Business School alumni. We talk about life after graduation, what we're doing now, careers, opportunities, and future plans. This podcast is exciting because it features alumni who have made amazing transitions. I'm Kieran Howard, the Alumni and Industry Partnerships Manager at KBS. And my name is Dr. Richard Stager, the MBA Course Director at KBS. Hi, my name is Nina Nikodinova-Trifonovska. I'm from Macedonia. I came to Australia two and a half years ago and I'm graduated. I completed the Master of Business Administration in Kaplan, Sydney. Thank you for coming tonight and welcome to the Kaplan Community Podcast. Tonight's guest, we've got Nina Nikodinova, a graduate from 2020 Master of Business Administration in Sydney campus. How are you doing tonight, Nina? Uh, hello, thank you for inviting me. I'm doing very well, thank you. Great, yeah, well, it's it's really good to see you. As we were saying, you know, we saw you at graduation and, um, and well, I remembered at graduation, something I thought of when, when I saw you. I, I didn't know many Macedonian students at Kaplan, at KBS, until I met you. And I have just recently moved to a part of Sydney, Bayside, where there is a very sort of big and beautiful Macedonian community. I don't know if you know it, Nina, if you know the Bayside Rockdale community. Uh, yes, actually, I live in Brighton, Lesens, which is part of uh, Bayside. <laughs> so, so you probably can be seen at some of the, the Burak Cafe in, in the Rockdale area. Well, I, I just find it amazing and such a great sort of embodiment of of Sydney is that area. It's such a mix. You have sort of Macedonian churches and and Burak cafes next to Bengali supermarkets, next to, uh, you know, uh, noodle shops. I'm, I'm just wondering for, for yourself. So now you've said you, you live in, in Brighton Sands area. How was it when you came to Australia? Did you sort of seek out that community or how was it culturally for you? Uh, well, to be honest, um, I... I've tried burek uh, for the first time in Sydney. <laughs> I've never um, ate burek or um, those uh, pastries, but it was really, uh, it's really interesting that uh, when I came to Sydney, um, we moved to our, to our friend's house. Uh, they were based in Brighton, Lessons, and that's how we ended up, my husband and I, uh, ended up living uh, in Brighton, Lessons. And it, it is really interesting that exactly uh, like you said, everyone was going to the Burek cafes to eat Burek and everyone was happy that we are so far away from home, but we have uh, something from our culture. And that's how uh, two years ago I tried Burek for the first time and I really liked it. And yes, I I like Brighton Lessons. I like the suburb, but uh, yes, I'm aware that uh, it's a mixed community. Besides Macedonians, there there is also a great number of Greeks, Serbian, many people from the Balkans, like you said. And and just for for the record, for um, anyone listening, burek is is a sort of pastry with with phyllo dough and and it can and have ground meat or sort of a spinach and, and cheese in it. And it's just beautiful. If you haven't had it, then go to Bayside, New South Wales and try it out. But Nina, that's really interesting that you haven't had actually tried it till you got to Australia. And, and what have you been doing since 
graduation since we saw you there. Yes. Uh, well, I'm happy to um, um, to share this. That next day, on 29th of January, uh, the next day uh, from the graduation, I was given a new role at my company. I work as a contract administrator now. Before that, for more than a year, I was working as administrative officer. I'm working at uh, Lowe's, uh, which is a retail company. And I'm with them for a year and a half almost now. Nina, uh, when we talk about contract administration in retail like Lowe's, what, are, what, what kind of things do you, are you responsible for? I work in the uh, schoolware department, uh, which means that um, I work with contracts between uh, the company, the supplier, and the school uh, regarding uh, schoolware uniforms. We have, we are collaborating with more than 500 schools. And basically, uh, my job consists in um, managing contracts, which means updating our databases on a daily basis. Our website, we have a school profile uh, website, which is, with con- which contains all um, data and information contained in the contract. The contract uh, between a school, uh, Lowe's and the supplier lasts for at least a year up to five years or maybe more. And uh, there is a constant communication uh, between the um, internal and external stakeholders. And uh, apart from that, I have other tasks and responsibilities. For example, every day I work with invoices from our suppliers I have different uh, responsibilities, receiving the invoices in our system, processing them, uh, and so on. Uh, Then um, another task of mine is doing transfers uh, of school uniforms between stores uh, and warehouses in around Australia. So that's a computer transfer, but it it involves a lot of organization, um, communication, which is mostly written. And also, it includes a lot of um, administration. It's impressive that it's a national role. You've got a combination of the financial administration, sounds like, as well as inventory control, and as well as marketing with you updating the the website. So which which of those areas do you like the best? Well, I really like marketing. Marketing was one of my favorite subjects at Kaplan, consumer behavior and marketing psychology. I know that this is not exactly uh, what a marketing role is, but I really, I really like managing the school profiles, the website regarding the, the contracts because it sometimes it, it is creative because we have a lot of profiles of every school that we are working with. So there are information that I have to look up on the internet, for example, uh, how many students uh, this year the, the school has, then who is the principal this year. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of uh, fields to populate and, and it, it's really interesting. Then it has to be presentable because everyone can access that. Everyone from the company can access that uh, website. So um, it's really um, an interesting work. That's great. And so, okay, marketing is is maybe one of your favorite parts of the roles. You said that stakeholder management is also something that you 
that you practice. Obviously, you're you're doing something nationally with many different internal and external stakeholders. Can you speak, Nina, to how how do you maintain or build good relationships with stakeholders, with the people you work with? Most of the communication between uh, myself and um, the external stakeholders is written. Uh, so um, I'm not, uh, let's say I'm not stressed and scared, but on the other side, I have to be very responsible on uh, what I communicate uh, with them to be well-spoken. Sometimes when we have a meeting, it's this year Zoom meetings, but it's really nice when you see um, all the people that you're communicate by, by email and with the internal stakeholders, the communication is mostly in the office. So if I have to ask something, I'm communicating with uh, the account managers uh, mostly. So I have to be very patient, very careful, uh, because I'm discussing different matters, discussing numbers. I have to take notes just because this is the contract uh, administration. It's really um, responsible um, job because there are mistakes that can't be fixed. So I have to be very caref- careful and uh, to take take notes, analyze, ask, uh, ask if something is unclear and so on. Nina, you have a you have a unique talent in stakeholder management that very few people in Australia actually have. From the back of my memory, you speak five languages and you're a certified translator. Yes. You, you are. Yes, I speak Macedonian, English, Italian, Spanish, and Serbian. In this role, I don't, I didn't use any other language besides English. But uh, when I came to to Australia, I was working in a different, uh, different industry. I was working in uh, in a hospitality company in the events department, and it was really nice because I I used the Italian, Spanish with my clients and with my colleagues. So. This is this is another asset in the communication that uh, you can you you are not shy when you know different languages because sometimes you can communicate to to a person who speaks speaks the same language so it's really it's really nice. Well, we, we three have something in common. My wife is Italian. Karen, your wife is from Venezuela originally, from memory, speaking Spanish. Yes. <laughs> And the, 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 you know, the curious thing that I've got is you, you've spent a lot of time and invested in your communication and your language skills. And now, you, unfortunately, in Australia, you're not able to use those, those different languages. Are you worried about maybe forgetting and becoming less proficient in some of the languages you've learned? Uh, well, I'm trying to read uh, Italian newspapers every day just to practice the language, not to, to ver- forget the vocabulary. Yes, mostly I read English and Italian. I just want to practice my Italian language because I'm certified Italian translator and interpreter. I used to teach Italian for six years. So I know that if I'm not in the business field, I will, I would definitely work with the Italian language. Yes, I'm worried that I might forget the Spanish language, the Spanish vocabulary, because honestly, I was um, using it less in my previous career. 
and uh, now. But on the other hand, uh, when you when you start to read a book, I or meet a friend who is from Spain, um, I think that the vocabulary will slowly come back. I think that's a, a great point, Nina. Is well, Richard, you made a good point that actually you, you can get sort of slower with languages if you if you fall out of practice. But but Nina, what you said about uh, about the newspapers, that's great. And and for Spanish, I'd say out of out of Europe, Spain produces some of the most amazing drama uh, on film and and television. And now, if you're somebody who who likes to read or or watch films. Do you have any that you'd recommend that that you think are are good for either improving language ability or or professionally? Uh yes, I will. I'm a huge fan of watching movies, TV shows, reading books and I I consider this my hobby and I don't think that this is a waste of time. Uh on the contrary, I believe that by watching movies, watching TV shows or reading books, you can learn so many new things. And for example, if you are watching um, an Italian uh, movie or Spanish movie, even if you don't want to, you will learn some some words. And uh, that's a great practice of the language. Watching movies was what I recommended to my students back in back in Europe. And yes, I'm really happy with the Netflix content with uh, Spanish and Italian TV shows and movies. And and yes, that's that's another way to practice. Something to recom- to recommend. There is a an Italian TV show which is called uh, which is called Baby, and it's uh, on Netflix. Then Money Haste, which is a Spanish TV show, and it's very popular. I just love that love that show. Yes, there is there is a lot of a lot of content about movies and uh, TV shows in Italian, Spanish, but also in other languages. Nina, you're fascinating me there because you're talking about when you were speak when you were teaching in Europe, and you'd recommend to your students to watch movies. It's a fantastic way to teach, bringing in cinema uh, and literature into the in the classroom and just have students learn. What kinds of things were you teaching them? What did you want the students to particularly pay attention to when they watched a foreign language film? Ah, uh, yes. So sometimes we had uh, these types of classes where we we watched a film. I had these classes in Italian and Spanish as well. After that, we were discussing the characters. We were analyzing plot, by, of course, speaking Italian or Spanish. And by that, we were practicing grammar. We were practicing new words, new vocabulary. And that was, to be honest, a great uh, exercise with all uh, groups with kids and with adults, because the students are not aware that they are actually learning so much and, and speaking so much in the class. Well, they are, they are having fun, they're um, expressing their opinion, but on the other side, they're practicing the language. And I consider this a very, very positive way of teaching. So Nina, I'm, I'm interested because I think we have something in common. I did linguistics as part of anthropology. I, I was an anthropologist when I started out my career and my and my studies. And then I, I turned from studying other cultures and, and their languages to 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 education and, and well to business first. I'm I'm interested how did you sort of decide to move from the world of learning and teaching about languages 
to administrative type of business work and then and then your current role yes uh well um that happened after i graduated from the faculty of uh, of philology in skopje in macedonia i enrolled in master of international business with foreign languages which was one year program and it got me very interested in in international business in business in general but the course was very short after a couple of years uh, when i decided to to move to australia i was considering which career path is is good for me and after um a research i just i was surprised how many opportunities are in australia in the business world in the business field and i decided that i want to enrich my business knowledge also because I saw myself like a business owner i really want to to open my language business my language school or maybe a language platform and i can say that after uh, after i completed the master of business administration in kaplan i'm not regretting at all and i i believe that every entrepreneur every person who wants to work in in the business field or or just be a business owner has to uh, complete the MBA because there there are so many things that I didn't know before and I didn't pay attention to that's that's pretty great do you have any other um things that you would recommend for somebody who's interested to maybe make a change to to become more towards business besides besides formal education well studies are not only about finances or um marketing or administration there uh, there are also uh, subjects like emotional intelligence contemporary leadership so i believe that this is important and interesting interesting to everyone I would definitely recommend this program to to everyone who likes as I said um who plans to open a business or who is a part of of a business because you can definitely uh analyze uh, things better and be better at your at your work um, no matter the the profession the occupation for example I had many colleagues at Kaplan who were dentists mechanical engineers at the beginning I was really surprised but at the end I I just realized that we were connected by the companies that we were um, working for so um I believe that nowadays everyone has to to have a, a little bit of business knowledge Nina, I've been sitting here really fascinated, genuinely, about the discussion because you mentioned that you, the languages that you speak have given you an added confidence, and then you mentioned that you're managing so many stakeholders. That confidence in the stakeholder management ability, coupled with what you just mentioned about emotional intelligence, so all of this seems to be a founded back to, to languages. Do you actually feel that languages, maybe if you're not an emotionally intelligent person naturally, does language help you become more? emotionally intelligent just by learning a new language I believe uh, that learning a new language or or speaking a language uh, will make you more um, emotionally intelligent because by learning a language you are also learning certain culture so i have a practical example uh from my uh, pre- from my first job in australia in the events department i had a colleague uh, from italy and she was 
one of my best friends at work. I believe because I could understand her, because I could understand her mentality, her culture. And I guess that there is a connection between the emotional intelligence and a language uh, that a certain person speaks. That makes sense because I found myself through my wife, I've learned a bit about the Italian culture myself. And I've started to appreciate the Italian sense of humor. And it's very different from you know, an Australian or an American uh, English sense of humor. But I've learned to appreciate it and laugh along. And I'm probably more accepted in the Italian community as a result of just that one simple thing. Uh, I get their jokes. I understand it. <laughs> yes. My, my grandmother-in-law has actually named me an honorary Latino because of the level of Spanish that I've been able to acquire. And so I, I can say that, yes, you do end up getting to new bounds in, in terms of your emotional intelligence when you, when you uh, sort of open up uh, linguistically. And, and Nina... Now, I may ask a sort of a, a difficult question because it's, it's stuck in my mind when you said about, about the contracts and it sounds like a high responsibility role. You talked about mistakes that can't be undone. And, and that is, you know, obviously it's, it's an important job. Now, what happens when you are faced with a situation that's very difficult? Cause I think we are, a lot of us are faced with that at work. I know this is sort of like an interview question, but is there a time where you've had to sort of really change around things or how would somebody, you know, let's say somebody's learning how to do your job and they make a mistake, what should they do? Yes. So, of course, there there have been um, moments when I, uh, I made mistakes or um, faced with something that I didn't know how to proceed or how to fix the mistake. First, First of all, I, I, I talk with my, with my manager. Of course, I'm uh, relatively new in this role and I don't, do, I don't want to make a mess. So first, uh, firstly, I talk with my manager, but before sending an email, I have to check all the conditions in the contract. We have to double check everything because even, um, if, when you send the contract to a school or to a supplier, even if there is a mistake and after that you can, some, someone can uh, point out that mis- mistake, you, you don't present well, represent well the company if you do that. So first, firstly, I think you have to be careful, uh, speak with the um, higher management. Uh, if you're unsure, just to clear your doubts. And after that, um, just proceed with the work. But if you, if you make a mistake, of course, you have to apologize and try to, to fix that. I, uh, I'm aware that I'm not very precise, but if it's, um, if it's a mistake on the system, usually that can be fixed. But if it's a miscommunication, I think we have to be very careful with that. Or in case if you, if you do the mistake, I think that explaining to the manager why you, you thought that this could be done in that way will, will help you because the higher management maybe will, um, guide you further how to, how to proceed. I think that's really insightful. And, and I love how you've said, uh, basically put an emphasis on learning the role because I've spoken to many, uh, many people who, especially students and recent graduates who are, who are getting into a role. Maybe it's, maybe it's their first time in it and they're 
unsure of what they're doing. And so you've said, Nina, pretty much it is good to ask questions and okay to to sort of check twice and be very open with your communication, if, if I'm understanding correctly. Yes. Um, the thing that has struck me, and going on from Kieran's question, you appear to me to be one of those lifelong learners, Nina. You, you've been so well-educated through the, the studies in the languages and becoming an interpreter and translator and now in business. What's, next, what's the next goal for you to learn? Is there another subject down the horizon or another challenge you want to tackle? Uh, well, yes. As I mentioned before, I'm really interesting, uh, interested in uh, marketing. And maybe that will be uh, my next goal. Recently, uh, at the beginning of this month, I completed Google uh, course about the fundamentals of uh, digital marketing. And I believe that uh, next I will focus on the digital marketing because nowadays everything is digital and it will be even more than, uh, than today, of course. And I believe that this is really important in practically in every job because, for example, a year ago when I started working for Lowe's, there were so many tasks that I did manually and now they're automated. So yes, maybe digi the digital world uh, and especially the digital marketing will be my next goal. That makes perfect sense. You know, the competitive advantage, if you will, the best way not to be made redundant because of technology is to be able to translate your your websites into other languages. We quite haven't learned how to do that with artificial intelligence to translate properly the way people speak. Would there be other industries outside of retail that you'd also be interested in working in in the future? Oh, yes, of course. I see many ads that they're looking for marketers, digital marketing in in IT, in artificial intelligence, in um financial departments uh well even though uh, all these industries are really new to me i would be interested to to work for a company that is completely new industry completely uh, new field because i believe that as you said lifelong learner can can tackle all the challenges and obstacles and yes i'm open to to almost every opportunity that's, that's wonderful. And Richard, I love that you threw lifelong learner in there, you know, the name of, of the alumni learning program. I'm, I'm actually wondering if you have any tips on um, sort of learning, uh, because you've got digital marketing as a passion of yours as well. And, and what you would recommend for somebody who, who wants to continue learning uh, something like that, like Nina. My first experience in digital marketing came from managing projects to build corporate websites. The year was 2005, so the technology wasn't nearly as developed as it is today. We had teams of hardware and software engineers, as well as graphics designers and other creatives. And I soon discovered that I loved working with the creative people. Our objective was to encourage customers to interact with our websites and do something that they had never done before, and that was to pay their bills online. For the next 10 years, I worked in banking to take care of customers. We call those projects customer care. It's important that customers are able to borrow money and have credit cards, but I became fascinated to understand why a few customers take out loans they can't afford and misuse their credit cards. And then I discovered the field of social psychology, which in my case focuses on the financial well-being of customers. 
About three years ago, I became very active in public speaking and teaching about the ethical questions raised by the Banking Royal Commission in Australia. What interests me the most is the research by psychologists that shows that most people act unethically to help someone, not to hurt anyone. So, for example, we are all very happy when someone helps us bend the rules and reduce bureaucracy. However, the rules were put in place not to inconvenience or annoy us, but to protect us from the wrongdoing. I'm also fascinated by the ways that town planners and police figure out how to make our communities safe, although I've never actually worked in this area. So, for example, as you walk down some streets near the universities in Sydney, look up at the violet-colored streetlights. The light is very pretty and decorative, in my opinion, but it serves a more important purpose than just being decorative. The light is actually the same color as the veins in a human arm, which makes drug abuse more difficult because they can't see where to inject. Anyway, it's another example of social psychology and taking care of the well-being of customers and people living in our neighborhoods. I think that's that's brilliant. And so, and Nina, do you think that, say, social psychology, marketing, well, you've talked to me before about, about your plans for your future and, you know, possibilities of, you know, some entrepreneurialism or, or marketing. What, what do you think you might do if, if uh, it were related to language and marketing? I'm not sure whether I will stay in Australia or not, but I guess that uh, if I return back to, to Europe, to Macedonia or some other country in Europe, I really uh, would love to open my own uh, language school um, and uh, with translation services, of course, and um, language platform. All this business includes all, all I have, all I've learned so far. Uh, the languages part, digital marketing, of course, is, it's a necessity, uh, to promote your business and the business and entrepreneurship. So, um, that, that is my plan for, for Europe. In Australia, I'm not sure. Maybe I will fulfill this dream, but otherwise in Australia, I, I can also see myself working in, in business and just follow that, that career path. That is really, you know, this is really interesting, Nina. I have, I never knew as much about contract administration, but I never imagined that it was such a diverse career type that a contract administrator would say also be involved in digital marketing, stakeholder management, administrative type work. Uh, and it's great to see you sort of also have future plans that would combine these different talents that you have. Are there any, you know, challenges that you've had in the role that you that you would be able to speak to some some challenges that and maybe how you might have overcome them to be able to be uh, as successful as you are? For example, my first role uh, in this company, the administrative officer, was more of following uh, instructions. And as I mentioned, it was, if you make a mistake, it's easier to fix it. And it's basically following instructions. When I was when given this new role and opened all the databases, I was, of course, in front of a challenge. How will I manage all these schools and, and contracts? But then I just 
calm down and realize that I have to do a certain organization of my, a certain plan of uh, my work. For example, filtering, dividing the, the schools by state by uh, account managers and so on. And I believe that organization is crucial in in many uh, roles. So you're saying, Nina, that organization can be one one way that we prepare ourselves or are able to get around challenges. And, and I think that's very wise. Uh, and, and it's spoken like a true contract administrator as well. What about, you know, are there anything else that you'd recommend for for, let's say, our students who are going to graduate and and some some challenges that they're facing what would be your advice for them after you graduate firstly i think that you have to look for for a job that that you like that you feel most confident in but of course after that uh, i believe that every one of you have to be uh, open to new possibilities because business is so diverse you can you can learn so many new things and the knowledge that we got from kaplan and probably from from your past work experience is is just good a good start um, you can overcome any any challenges and yes that's that's my advice Nina, you're so engrossing. I'm really enjoying listening to you. I periodically get myself lost in, in what you're saying and thinking really hard. And the question that I would like to ask, you've lived in so many different countries. You you speak so many different languages. And all of us, particularly Kieran and I, we are newcomers to Australia at one time as well. And we all have our, our funny, our favorite stories about what surprised us when we first got into Australia and learned our way around. Do you have a favorite story about what surprised you and made you laugh about Australia or living with Australians? I I have one example of, let's say, cultural shock that I had in Australia. Uh, and that's how everyone is so kind, polite, relaxed. The second day that my second day in Sydney, I went to the bank next to Kaplan to open my um, account. And there were so many people, so many students, so many nationalities, and everyone was so calm. Just there was a queue and no one was arguing. And that was the the biggest difference from uh, Europe, let's say, because I was also an exchange student in, in Italy and Macedonians, Italians. We are so, so similar. We are very expressive, very nervous, emotional, loud. And yes, I think that that was my biggest shock, how everyone is so, so calm and kind. Make me laugh because that's, that's one of the stories that I've just thought of just now as you're speaking. Um, get somebody to stand on a street corner and watch us try and just form a line right behind them because everyone is used to queuing. And so I did it. I stood on a street corner for no reason. And sure enough, a couple of people stood behind me waiting, but they didn't know why they were waiting. They just did. <laughs> so there is there is a culture of queuing here, Nina. That's spot on. Okay. Well, Nina, uh, thank you so much for your time tonight and, and being on the podcast. I think uh, we, we've learned a lot. And, and it's also just been fantastic to, get to catch up since we hadn't seen you since graduation. And it's, it's wonderful to see you doing so well, too. And thank you for inviting me once again. It was a pleasure and I had a great time. Thank you for, for being with us and thank you for sharing so much. It has been truly fascinating. 
The Kaplan Community Podcast presents an opportunity to think about things differently by listening to a diversity of opinions from our Kaplan Business School alumni, Karen Howard and me, Dr. Richard Stager. The podcast is published every Wednesday night. Search for the Kaplan Community Podcast on your favorite podcast player, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We invite you to find out more about our guest speakers from our LinkedIn group, Search for the Kaplan Business School Alumni Community. Please rate each episode to help us reach more listeners.